Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Remember back to the days of pandemic lockdown, when so many of us tapped into the well of mindfulness, meditation, and mental wellness apps. Perhaps you dusted off the Headspace app in your phone, or maybe you discovered an app called Insight Timer with audio treasures and tracks, including music to help us heal amidst our unyielding grief. In those early days when it was hard to breathe, even scary to breathe, I stumbled upon an artist page in the Insight Timer app. It was one breathtaking photo of the Cliffs of Moore that caught my eye. And with one tap further, I dove into a track called Ireland and it changed everything for me. It was in that moment my grief danced with a duo of souls using the power of intention and frequency to resonate new levels of healing. Matt Bingham and Andrew Hamby make up the duo The Light Meeting, Matt on guitar, Andrew on cello, and their creations became my soundtrack for serenity, solitude, and stability when all around us was falling apart. On this episode, I have the pleasure of hearing Matt's story of change and thanking him personally for the countless souls he has stirred on this earth with his creations. This is one of those episodes where I got lost in conversation and connected to my younger self. Healing comes in many forms, and for some, there's always music involved. Enjoy the listen. Well, let me first welcome you, Matt, and start off by by saying thank you, because I, like many, stumbled upon your beautiful music and your creations during the pandemic. In fact, uh, I first found you uh, in the light meeting on Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to start off by saying thank you from such a deep place of healing that your music... Um, your creations brought me, as well as a number of people that I kind of sat with in in virtual way, right, during the pandemic, where everybody was seeking something that would give them a sense of healing um, mm-hmm. and and sort of purpose, right, to keep going. So I wanted to start off before I kind of have you introduce yourself and jump into this great conversation about how music heals by thanking you. Um, listener to creator, uh, human to human. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for saying that. And thanks for connecting with it. That's why we we put it out there. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we jump in and you just start off kind of uh, introducing yourself for those that don't know, um, you know, who Matt Bingham is and, and the light meeting sure. and, and all that you've put in the world. Let's just start off and have you introduce yourself and talk a little bit of, about what we're going to un- unfold in this conversation today. Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, Matt Bingham, the musician, um, started, you know, playing music, um, when I was about nine years old. Um, and then I recorded my first album, my solo album 
when I was 19. Um, so it's been 14 years. Um, so I've recorded 10 solo albums at this point. Um, and then I've got to meet a lot of musicians that I looked up to and, and have worked with some musicians that I've, I've loved and kind of admired from afar, just from listening to what they played and, and what they did. Um, so separately from my solo stuff comes the light meeting. Um, <clears throat> and that started, um, I guess we can get into, you know, how it started separately, but, um, the light meeting is just a separate solo or separate from the solo stuff. So it's, um, Andrew Hamby, who's a cellist, um, and myself, um, most of it is instrumental. So all the stuff that we put on insight timer, there's no vocals. It's just cello and guitar. I also play a little bit of bass. Um, so we've had some tracks with some bass and some layered acoustic and electric guitar. So there's, there's that there too. So yeah, just the solo stuff. Um, and then the light meeting. Um, and then it kind of ties into me being a yoga teacher. So I, I mm. found yoga um, 11 years ago. I started practicing that and then started teaching in 2014. So it's been nine years. And that's part of how the light meeting came about. Um, that just kind of need for kind of an ambient, kind of instrumental kind of sounds um, comes from that kind of world. Um, so yeah, I guess just as an introduction, um, solo artist, yoga teacher, and then also part of the light meeting. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that helping, you know, helping me connect those dots too. And it makes, it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense because, and you'll probably love this little bit of kind of entanglement here, but the, the composer, the gentleman who composed my intro music, um, for mm -hmm. this podcast is also a, um, you know, guitar player, guitar teacher, composer, um, and the way I actually learned about him was through a, a, you know, a colleague of mine. And she said to me, hey, you should probably check out what he's doing because he's actually composing music for yoga studios. Oh, um, cool. In New Hampshire. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the, the serendipity of what this, what this is was exactly that. You know, here's someone who knows the importance and the power of creating music to accompany an experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the, the importance of frequency and mm -hmm. resonance when you're trying to sort of tap into that, that inner healing. And so mm -hmm. when we first talked, it was so interesting because I said to him at the time, hey, I think this is actually going to be an evolving journey I don't see it as being kind of one, one and done. And what's great about that, Matt, is that we've had, um, he's composed, I believe, f at least four uh, seasonal um, compositions for me. So the podcast evolves through seasons. And oh, cool. we have different music for, for different seasons. And we were actually just connecting earlier this week and talking about uh, this next one that's going to be kind of the summer falls, you know, sort of late spring, mm -hmm. summer, fall kind of thing. And it's it's been really interesting because whether I intended it or not, what ends up happening is some of the some of the intention that goes into creating that music and co-creating it. Right. I mean, I'm not playing the instruments for sure, but mm -hmm. um, we're co-creating it. It ends up in influencing some of the guests that that I have on. And so I think it's kind of a magical thing that here we are talking. <laughs> Yeah. 
Totally. I, I think that's really cool. I'm definitely inspired by the seasons as well. Um, that gives me a lot of inspiration for songs and just different things in my life, you know, subtle things, um, kind of going with the seasons is a concept in, in yoga, you know, slowing down where you need to, if you got more energy going with that too. Um, but I think, I think that's just super cool. Yeah. That the, the theme music changes too, because I think Mm -hmm. most podcasts that I've listened to, it doesn't, you know, so I think that's a unique thing and just to connect with people in that way and come full circle in that way, I think is awesome. Yeah. It it feels really generous, I think is the word that Mm kind of comes to mind in the sense of, you know, one of the great things about being kind of a solopreneur, um, and doing, doing your own thing, which I know you can probably relate to is you don't really have your own boss. You don't have a boss, right? You, you are your own Mm -hmm. boss and you, you can create things that, that, you are proud of and make sense for you. And sometimes we create things that we have no idea what impact they're going to have in the world until years mm-hmm. later. So I'm curious, like the stuff that was in Insight Timer, um, mm-hmm. obviously there was an intention to put it on there. Yeah. Um, I was looking at some of the the notes and it looks like, and I, I also, you know, uh, I also have stuff on Insight Timer now. I actually started probably... Nice. I want to say just before the pandemic or right around that time, I actually made a commitment to myself and to this entire ecosystem that we all benefit from to put back into it, right? Same thing with a podcast. I've benefited so much from podcasts over the years that I felt it's important for me to put back into the ecosystem from which I take so much nourishment. And so I think mm-hmm. I have maybe four or five meditations that I've done, you know, that have kind of downloaded to me, come through writing. And then I went in, I had, and I recorded and I put them out there on Insight Timer. And, and some people may not even know this about me, but I remember being super nervous about it, Matt, because <laughs> for two reasons. One is a lot of people probably know me more in my, my sort of corporate entity, right? My persona that is the corporate side. And I was a little bit worried that if people knew I had this interest and this kind of pursuit in mindfulness and meditation, that they might they might dismiss me, right? They might kind of say, oh, there's that guru kind of thing. I also have a background in the military. I was in the army for 12 years. And so when you put these pieces together, like a mosaic, sometimes it confuses people. But I'm curious for you, what called you to put stuff on Insight Timer? And the second Mm -hmm. part of that question is, have have you spent time sitting with the fact that you've, what you've put there, what you've created, what you've, you know, curated, has really touched a lot of people around the world. Well, to the second part of that question, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it is amazing to see people from all over the world connect with it in the way that they have, and through comments, through messages. And I think you said something earlier about um, being really uh, positively just affected um, by music for healing purposes, there's like a lot, there's a deeper purpose there. Mm -hmm. And we've gotten messages from people, you know, one person said, um, I gave birth while listening to, to your music. Um, and that was, that was amazing. And that, yeah, exactly. That just stops you, um, to, to reflect on that of, of what this music has really done for people. Um, Mm. and so, 
going to the first part of your question though. Um, so I was working on some solo music, um, since 2009, kind of before then to writing stuff, but not recording stuff. Um, I kind of feel like I started recording a little bit too soon. My first few mm -hmm. albums are on CD, but not online. Um, right. Thank goodness. Actually, my second one is. Um, but yeah, so it was always my goal to find a band and uh, it just never really panned out. You know, I, I live in Flagstaff. Um, there are musicians that are kind of like-minded, but there's a lot that aren't and there's a lot that had more of a need or a desire, I think, to play different genres of music like bluegrass and, and um, jam band kind of stuff. And, and I was much more of a songwriter and wanting to really serve the song and, and come together and rehearse. And, and um, I just, I just really didn't find that. Um, so I just started recording my solo songs. I knew there was a band called Mercy Fall and Flagstaff and the guitarist of that band started a studio and I just, I knew them a little bit. And, um, when he started the studio, I thought, Oh, this is a great time, you know, to record my, my first solo album and music to me, like just growing up, um, you know, my dad was really into music. So was my mom. My dad was more the hard rock kind of ACDC Led Zeppelin, um, fan. And then my mom was more James Taylor, yeah. uh, Jim Croce. Um, and there was some overlap there, like Sting. My dad loves Sting. You know, he's more on the lighter side. Um, and I, I was really affected by that. And like you said, it sounds like you're really affected by podcasts. And so am I. Um, yeah. I like to go out and runs and, and listen to podcasts all the time. And I just feel like it, it helps um, uh, enrich my life. And I listened to uh, one of your podcasts actually yesterday when I went on oh. a run uh, in the flow. Yeah. Um, and it just is so cool to hear people talking about stuff they're passionate about, stuff that, you know, they're really working on. Um, so, but anyways, kind of switching back to what, you know, the music part, um, it felt like to me just this, this love of music. And as I got a little bit older and I say that I was only like 15 or 16. Um, so going from like 10 years old, being super into ACDC, 15, 16 years old, I was, I was really affected by certain songs. And I heard some songs that I thought this, I think is what I want to do. And I heard, Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn. I, I don't know if you know him song. at all. But, oh my God, yeah. are you kidding me? I adore that song. And there's so many renditions awesome. of it, but his version is pure. Like I yeah. love that song. I know exactly awesome. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that you connect with that too. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. So that, there's just those pivotal moments, I think for me, like kind of looking back of like when I heard that song, I thought this is, this is deeper. Um, and not to say ACDC isn't deep, I think they're amazing, but there's a deeper, there's a calm kind of place. And before I practice yoga, I think that those songs kind of sent me to that same kind of place. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Mark Cohn, Walking in Memphis, uh, Sting, Fields of Gold was another one that I heard yeah. um, as a kid. And I liked his more rock stuff too, but Fields of Gold just sent me to this really cool place. And and I, I realized I started playing guitar when I was nine so by the time I was 15 or 16, when I heard songs like Walking in, in Memphis, it kind of made me think I want to do something more like this. Um, so I knew I was a guitarist yeah. at that point, but I, I was looking for a singer with a kind of magic voice. And um, I never found anyone, um, the right person. You know, I, I played with some people that could sing, but it, a lot of people didn't really want to take it too seriously. Um, so I 
just started taking some singing lessons and um, I had a really small range for a little while and I just had a, it was frustrating because I had a, a lower voice and I wanted to sound like Sting right. or Phil Collins and sing a lot higher. Um, but I, I couldn't, but I, I took some lessons and for me it was a slow progression and I think I had the tone and I had the, the lower range at least a little bit down but i needed to kind of bridge the gap um between the higher yeah. stuff and the mid-range stuff and and i found some great teachers and some really just inspiring people around me that helped encourage me in that space um so you know as i was recording um and th there were times too where i thought you know maybe i should if this isn't really taking off maybe i should just go back to school and do something else and and i had odd jobs i was working I was going to school, working in the restaurant industry, working in the coffee industry. Um, and one thing always just kind of led to the next. I thought maybe I'll not do this anymore and stop recording um, and just kind of get a, more of a nine to five day job. Um, but I always have had a consistent inspiration in my life for songs and and not just songs, but I I think just the way that I see the world is I'm I'm inspired by it, and there's a lot of awe in my life, and I I think I've met enough people to know that that's not always the case with everyone. I think sometimes people struggle to connect with that deeper place, and I think for me it it came a little bit more naturally. But music sent me there even even more in a deep in a deeper kind of way. Um, so I think I was on just that uh, progression and. I think it was album number six or seven. I met a bassist um, named Zach Carson in Flagstaff, and he was around my age. Um, a lot of musicians I played with were were older, um, but he was from the East Coast, and I think maybe it was just the East Coastness in him. He was really uh, focused and really um, passionate about about playing music. And um, just by chance, he ended up playing on an album of mine, um, and he he did some really cool like pizzicato bass. And then also some bowed bass, which kind of sounded like a cello. And the cello has always been like my favorite instrument. When I've heard that, I've, I've always been really inspired by that. Mm. And I love the sound of it. And um, we, we were talking after the album was done. And he said, you know, I've done some arranging. You know, I used to teach choir, but, you know, now I'm getting my master's in bass performance. And he was really into jazz, too. So I think he wanted to do that full time. Um, and I said you've done some arranging. That's really cool. Would you be into arranging a quartet for some of my songs? And he was a really nice guy. So I think he just said yes, kind of offhand. And it takes a lot of work to arrange. I'm sure he knew that, but he was nice enough to say yes. And, and, um, I still paid him for it, but I still feel like, man, I should have paid him more. Cause he's like, I pulled an all nighter, you know, during one of those sessions. And, and, uh, but I think we had, we both had a good time with that. And so that kind of leads us to how I met Andrew, which is the cellist mm. and the light meeting. And, um, five years before that quartet arrangement, um, time, I had seen a Flagstaff symphony orchestra performance. Um, and there was a violinist named Tim Fain. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but, um, he plays with Philip Glass and he's, mm. he's really, really good. And um, Flagstaff does get some amazing soloists um, with the symphony, but um, he was particularly really good. And I think there was a connection there because I think he met his wife in, in the Flagstaff symphony. So I think he uh, came to town a little bit more. But it, it kind of looking back on that, everything seems not coincidental. So I went because yeah. I heard he was amazing. And um, 
they played Vivaldi's Four Seasons, and I think they played another arrangement of Four Seasons too um, by another composer, like a reworking of it. And there was moments in that performance that the cellist, so the principal cellist, which was Andrew, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, he played some solo sections. And um, you know when you're seeing like an orchestra and it's a smaller town orchestra, sometimes th they can be good, but there's still a bit of pitchiness or woodiness. And it's kind of like, okay, they were good, but not, not amazing. That didn't happen when I saw Andrew play. It was like, wow, like every section, I, I was almost kind of waiting for it to be like, yeah, it was okay, but I, I was really impressed with his playing. And, and, you know, I don't play that instrument. I play guitar. All my, my instruments have frets, you know, so it's mm -hmm. a very different kind of instrument. Um, and so fast forward to when I'm working with Zach for the quartet arrangement, I said, you know, if it's the same guy, that's the principal cellist. I don't I think it's, his name is Andrew, you know, if, if you can ask him if he, he'll be the cellist for it. And he's like, I don't know, he's really good, you know, so, but he asked him and he said, he said, yes. Um, and he's like, yeah, he's a nice guy. He was into it. And, um, so I thought, cool. Um, so we did the, the quartet recording. Uh, it was two songs and it was a fun experience. Um, but what really came of that, um, I found out, uh, a lot of classical musicians are not like Andrew. So they just read sheet music and they can't really improvise. Hmm. Um, Andrew could do both really well. Um, really, really well. So after that, um, him and I just kind of got along really well during the quartet recording. And, and I think we just kind of had a, a similar kind of seriousness about us. And so he asked me to um, play a benefit uh, for the symphony and just play some of my songs and he would improvise to that. That didn't end up working out. But I remember thinking if, if he wants to continue this, then I should, I should take him up on that. And so we, um, I can't remember the next thing that we did. I think, I think there was one more benefit thing that got canceled. Um, so I was back in town and could do that one and that got canceled. And it, it really was just like a fundraiser, I think, for the symphony, which I was totally into supporting and still am. Um, mm -hmm. But he uh, and I hung out and I told him about this idea. Um, so I'd been teaching yoga for, I think, about two years or three years at this point, um, probably two years. And a lot of... I was really in search for a good yoga playlist. Um, and a lot of people, and I do this too, you'll take songs from different artists and make a playlist. Um, yeah. What I love is listening to whole albums during yeah. my yoga classes. So if I could play a whole album yeah. from start to finish, um, that to me was really cool. And, and just kind of a glimpse into the whole artist world, like from, you know, you're not just picking and choosing the songs. You're really... Uh, it's kind of like a yoga class. You're committed, you know, you're, it's like vinyl, you know, <laughs> like you don't really have a sacred a container. choice. You have to get up and yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was always on the search for new music and there were some artists that I, I love that I, I would play their albums, but I was like, I need more, you know? And I just thought, you know, it would be so cool if I could actually just write an album for electric guitar, acoustic guitar, layer that, and then also have some strings on that. So right before I met Andrew, I, I had that idea. I talked to this guy, Jeff, who I was recording with in, in Flagstaff about doing it. And um, so I met Andrew, I brought that idea up to him. And he said, Yeah, I'm, I'm down. And it was a pretty magical moment. The, uh, our our uh, song Lighthouse, um, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you've heard. Um, I wrote that on guitar, and I got a loop pedal. And the song starts off with the way that we recorded it 
uh, with Andrew playing the the chords, but on on cello. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote that on guitar first, and I showed him the chord progression, and then that main melody that comes in. Um, so I I play that. It's like a legato thing on the guitar, and I pictured a cellist playing that, and I I played it for him. He like re- instantly just played it back to me, and you know because he's got a really good ear and again he's just he's just good at improvising um and just that in that moment i was like oh yeah this is going to be real this is really good and i think to me it was just better than anything i had done on my own Mm. um and i think we both just sensed that it was like okay this this is something magical um so we started recording demos. Um, I didn't end up recording those with Jeff, the guy I was working with just because of, I think some circumstances he was working on different stuff and, and, uh, I was wanting to get more into home recording anyways. Um, so, you know, our plan, Andrew and I's plan was to start recording the stuff on our own and then release those as demos and then see how they did and then see if we could get some funds together to do a, an album. Um, what those demos ended up being was, uh, what we ended up putting on insight timer and those ended up just being the album. Um, so I learned a lot about recording through that and I was just kind of surprised, like, yeah, things actually sound really good. Like, I don't think we need to go to a bigger studio for this. Mm -hmm. Um, how I got connected with insight timer though, was around this time I was traveling a little bit more and I love to wherever I went to I would love to go to yoga classes and check out yoga studios so there were some studios in different cities that I had just built relationships with and love them and it happened to be Portland Oregon and Portland Maine were kind of the two yeah (laughs) polar opposite (laughs) sides um and Portland Maine was a city that I had heard about um and as soon as I checked it out, I just kind of went there on a whim with my girlfriend at the time. Um, and it was really cool. Like there was a really cool studio there. Uh, Leela East End Yoga was the name of that studio. I think it's closed down now, unfortunately, but um, just a really beautiful space. Um, so I went back there, I think three times since then. Um, and then one of those times I went from being a yoga practitioner to being a yoga teacher to making some of this music and what i would love to do is i would travel to these cities just for a vacation and then i try to just barter like hey i'll play a yoga class if you give me free yoga for the week and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. took me up on that and there was a student in that class i think his name is richard so if you're listening thank you um he suggested that i download this app called insight timer and he said i knew a guy that does kind of what you do. He put his music on here and he has been a lot more successful and reached a lot more people by doing that. So, you know, he just planted the seed for me and I was like, thank you. So I put that in my phone and I downloaded it. And, um, I think Andrew and I had recorded one demo at that point. Uh, that was Zen three. So that was our first one. Mm -hmm. And so we put that out there and I think we, we put it out at a really good time too. I think Insight Timer was really big because there was people still from all over the world that were using it. But now it's become even bigger. Um, but at the time, if you release music, I think it reached a lot more people because there was a lot less um, content on there. Um, right. So I think that was part of it too. It was just a good time. People seem to be kind of hungry for that. And my exact hope was 
you know, a lot of yoga music or meditation music is, it's kind of like you're shifted in neutral the whole time. You know, it's, it's really calming, but if you take it out of that context, it's not really interesting. Um, and I wanted to write music that was really calming, but also if you took it out of context, it would be interesting. There was melodies that were hooky. Um, there was just some interesting interplay between the musicians, almost like in a jazz way, but it sounds more yoga than, than jazz and cause jazz can be kind of dissonant. Um, and that's exactly what Andrew brought, you know, he would play some melodies that I wrote for him. He would write his own and then he would improvise and just the way he weaves in and out of my guitar playing is, is amazing. Um, so yeah. that's how that kind of came about. And yeah, people started reaching out to us since we released that first song um and really since we've released stuff since then um and it's been really cool and, and like you said back to you know what you said earlier um it seems like there's a deeper purpose to it you know i still love my solo stuff my singer songwriter stuff um, but the instrumental stuff and the stuff that andrew and i have done together um there seems to be a deeper kind of frequency like you said too um to it um and i think that can be pretty powerful you know if people tap into that um and yeah i think just overall it's it it feels good and it feels good to yeah. connect with people over that yeah well I, I appreciate like even that weaving of that journey like as you described it i mean first of all i want to thank you again because you just put words you put words out there that i've never been able to find or stitched together myself. And as you were describing your journey, you said it so beautifully. And I resonate with this. I see the world through a songwriter's eyes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever been able to sort of say that aloud, but I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, That's awesome. one of, and one of the great things about connecting with folks like you and, you know, just a couple episodes ago, I had on um, a gentleman named Kanan Cox. Um, and he also had kind of this singer songwriter journey and you know he probably uh is is kind of classified more as country music but he he very much knew kind of what he was doing was different and it didn't necessarily fall into one category or another and he's an independent artist for that reason and i remember hearing him years ago um on the back of a cruise ship ironically right he was <laughs> he was at the top of uh the cruise ship kind of at the back bar playing and um and I just kind of knew, right? I was like, this person and what they're creating in this moment, be it a cover or their own music, is really unique in kind of this spark way. And I followed him for years, and it was so great to reconnect with him and hear his journey as an independent artist. And one of the things that's been so great about this platform is the ability to connect with people and truly like understand the things they do to follow their heart and purpose. Mm -hmm. And then it gives people like me the ability to stitch the words together that I've been searching for since I was 15. And I just found them by you talking mm -hmm. your story. So I wanted to start off by saying that. And then, and then on top of that, you need to know that one of my first tapes, cassette tapes that I owned was Phil Collins, but seriously. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I remember my mom at the time coming into my room and she didn't quite understand, but I think later on she did. She's like, how do you relate to this music? This guy is so mm -hmm. old, he's British. I mean, you're sitting here <laughs> getting like completely moved by these songs, you know, um, 
you know, I wish it would rain down and like all, all of these, you know, drums and soaring. And I was just so in the flow, right. As, as like a 10 year old kid. And, um, so when you mentioned Phil Collins, it brought me right back to that in my bedroom, listening to that tape over and over and over again. Then you mentioned, uh, Jim Croce. I, uh, you know, your father or sorry, your mother listened to Jim mm -hmm. Croce, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, I stumbled into Jim Croce late in life. And again, it was one of those things where I thought, how have I gone this long without hearing this, this incredible songwriter? Um, and as you think about people like Ava Cassidy, right? Who, mm -hmm. I mean, you want to talk about the stirring version of Fields of Gold. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's still, you know, still sits with me. And I remember hearing Ava's, you know, work through an NPR story. I was in Washington, DC, where I lived at the time. And I just turned on the radio, just as kind of like background noise in, in, in the room, you know, I just moved into a new apartment. It was a little spacious and empty and a little <laughs> bit lonely and i put on the radio and and they started telling the story about how ava had passed and they started playing her music and to this day i think and it's hard just it's hard to say better than the original but her rendition of somewhere over the rainbow yeah. um is one of the most uh kind of haunting and beautiful find yourself songs and yeah and that was also a serendipitous, right? I just happened to turn on the radio. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm not sure I would have heard her for several years otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to say, like, as you're talking about this and telling your story, I love it because I'm literally transported back to, like, 10-year-old me, 24-year-old me, 15-year-old <laughs> me. And you just keep healing people. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, well, that's really cool to hear your experience too. And Phil Collins was one that my dad loved too. And mm -hmm. I think the music that you listen to as a kid makes the biggest impact. You know, there's there's something nostalgic um, about it, but there's this also something I think in that time that shapes kind of who you are and what really matters to you. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, um, you can probably see behind me, but I've got a lot of CDs and I've got all yeah. of Philip Collins, um, CDs and he was another one. Yeah. Just, um, his voice and his songs and yeah, I, I love it. Um, and then Ava Cassidy too. Yeah. Um, fields yeah. of gold and somewhere over the rainbow. I, I would agree. And I think sting too, I've, I've heard him say like, she did fields of gold better. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Like he, he said that. Um, and I think there is something really magical about certain souls that are on this planet that doesn't have to be just music, but I think since, you know, we're talking about music and we're focused on that, um, you know, Ava Cassidy, uh, Jeff Buckley is another one, you know, did yeah. one record and then died. Um, Kurt Cobain, you know, th there's something, and I think maybe it's heightened because they, have died young. Um, but yeah, you hear Ava Cassidy sing and it's, it transports you and it's just her opening her mouth to sing one note, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's so good. Um, so that's cool that you brought her up too. I haven't thought yeah. of her music in a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things that, again, if I think about the, the artists, the repertoire, the compositions that I go to in moments of, Hey, stop for a second 
and be reminded of the light that you have inside, right? Like mm-hmm. those those are the people I go to, right? And mm-hmm. and Ava has been in that cadre for years since mm-hmm. that first song I heard on NPR. Um, and and it's interesting too because one of the things I find myself doing, and I'd be curious your experience of this. In some ways, I find myself protective of those artists in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is I may not necessarily uh, get on a megaphone per se and tell a ton of people, oh, <laughs> you should go listen to this artist because yeah. there's a fidelity and like a sanctity to it that I I don't know. Like in some ways, I, I say to myself, is that person, has that person done their work enough to... Yeah. <laughs> To feel the impact um, yeah. because it's not, you're right. It's not a, like it's, if somebody were to say to me, Hey, just pick a couple songs to weave into a playlist uh, yeah. of, you know, where Ava's in there, I would have so many questions. I'd be like, okay, hold on a second. Like I have questions about mm-hmm. this playlist. Like what's the intention? Who's it going to be used for? And I, mm-hmm. not that I want to be that guy per se, but I agree with you in the sense of like we said earlier, a sacred container of a vinyl, mm-hmm. a sacred container of this of a CD and and I'd love to get your thoughts about like the music industry now is very, um, I don't want to say bifurcated cause it's not just ones, you know, it is ones and zeros technically, but, um, but it's sort of straddled and it's hard to sort mm-hmm. of understand like where you, where people put music, um, you know, I'm even a person who, for example, when I started this podcast, you know, six years ago, there weren't podcast hosting platforms, right? I had to put it on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and what's interesting is I realize now, again, everything happens for a reason. I ended up staying on SoundCloud because I learned SoundCloud be, was was truly almost this um, this digital commune, if you will, for independent artists. Mm-hmm. And you know, over the over the years, people said, "Oh, you could you could place the audio files in places where you get so much more insight and analytics and all that other stuff." And now I'm good. I'm good. Like I mm-hmm. like it residing and being hosted mm-hmm. in a place where I know boundless creativity is taking place. And I recently heard a yeah. heard an interview with um, Maggie Rogers, who I also love, mm-hmm. and she was talking to Zane Lowe, who you know is an Apple Music DJ and. He asked her, right, hey, during the pandemic, um, you know, how was it for you as a singer-songwriter and you couldn't perform and uh, do tours and stuff? And one of the things I really loved that she talked about was she and a group of songwriters who kind of trusted Circle, if you will, decided that they were going to start their own SoundCloud playlist to put their stuff on, but it was going to be completely locked down. And they all made an mm. agreement, Matt, that none of the w- music that they were going to produce, make, you know, amidst this sort of cauldron was going to be released ever. And one of the nice. things she talks about in that interview is because of those, you know, agreements that they made with each other, they created at new heights and new bounds in ways because th- you took the risk away, right? You took the... Yeah. What if people don't like it? What am I going to do with this? What record is it going to be on? How are we going to pre- Yeah. You you just took all of those shackles off. And mm-hmm. right? And in that spot is the threshold. They made some incredible stuff, I have no doubt. We will never hear it. 
and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's a sanctity and a purity to what you've been talking about. And I'm curious as we think mm-hmm. about now, right, music and how it's produced and right. I would have thought years ago to get some meditation up on something, I'd have to go into a studio do it. I don't have to do it now. Yeah. You, you can record at home. Even people like Taylor Swift recorded in her closet, and it's been great music. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you, do you have any thoughts on that now? As we kind of are in this, um, and let's not even get into the AI stuff, right? We can get into that later. But <laughs> thoughts, yeah, just thoughts as as an independent creator, and as as I, as you said before, right? When you were kind of starting your stuff, you were putting stuff to CD, and now it's yeah. on light. You know, now it's on the light meeting page on Insight Timer, but also on Spotify and also on Apple. Just thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was born in 89. So, you know, by the time I got into music, I was listening to CDs and also cassettes. Um, cassettes were cheaper. So I had that for a little bit. Mm. And then I think 89 around that time was an interesting time to be born for music because I, I saw it. CDs, cassette tapes, VHS tapes, right? And then yeah. things progress into um, or change. I don't know if it's progressed um, into streaming, you know? Um, so in my own experience with my own solo music, um, when I started releasing that, I the songs felt so personal to me yeah. that... You know, and I would I would play shows, um, but I would play bars and not just bars. Um, but I remember the songs being almost too personal for people. Like it wasn't like party music. Yeah. And I remember having there was like one or two nights that I played. I was like 21, 22. And I thought, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know, I don't know if I want to play to people that aren't really caring about what I'm putting out there. And and um, as I've learned as an adult. I think as I've had more boundaries and realized like I've put too much emphasis on people's um, validation in some ways, you know, to me, Mm -hmm. I was doing it for me, but also it would have been nice, of course, to have tens of thousands of people or more, you know, like my, like my songs and, and some did, but, but I realized, um, I think I just have the clarity now to realize that that was almost, that was cathartic for me. That was like going to, therapy, getting those emotions out, making sense of what had happened in my life that were hard things. Um, and then I, th- I keep thinking of that quote, like sometimes not getting you what you want is a wonderful stroke of luck. I yeah. do think that that served me um, and that applied. And so when I started, um, I guess going back to like, you know, those nights when I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I, I would kind of wake up the next day and I'd still have creative ideas. I'm like, oh, I got this great idea for a song. And and I still had people around me that I would show it to and record it with. And it still was fun. That process was fun. But it wasn't until around working with Andrew with the light meeting. And then also he's played a lot on my solo stuff um, mm-hmm. and the stuff that we've done for my solo stuff. I think is really great. And he adds such a depth to some of the songs, all the songs that he plays on. Um, But I can see that kind of led to when I met him and the music that we started making together, there was a real, there was a kind of a deeper purpose for that. Um, And him and I are spiritual people, but we're not the same. So he's 
Christian. I'm not. I'm more the yoga mystery uh, mystery kind of world. Mm-hmm. I, I I struggle to kind of put a name to that because it's not necessarily Buddhist or or Hindu. You know, it's it's not a direct um, lineage or anything like that. But to me, um, it's still a deep place. And so, but we could come together separately. And that's where the name comes from. You said, I think with uh, Ava Cassidy, there's that lightness that reminds you of that mm-hmm. inside you. You hear her saying, and it just kind of brings you to that place. So the, the light meeting, we kicked around a lot of different name ideas, but um, to me, the light meeting meant that same thing. Like it's the light and Andrew, the light and me comes together, the meeting. Yeah. You know, so that's that's kind of what that meant to us. And I think, you know, around that time, it just seemed almost uh, what, you know, you asked about with music right now being in a place where there's so much music out there um, and you have the ability to listen to pretty much anything without buying it. You know, you can stream it. You can even stream it for free, um, like on places like YouTube and uh soundcloud i think is is free mm-hmm. too um and i think i think that's a really cool thing and i, I think uh, i had just reached a place in my own life where i thought if i'm gonna keep doing this um i want to release it to where it just put it out there and see who relates to it and see who who wants to check it out and on insight timer um it was it was that it was putting it out there you know, for people to listen to, um, and insight timer is free, you know, so people didn't have to pay. Now they have an option. People can donate after they listen. Um, we've also been featured for certain <clears throat> things that they've kind of put on, like the daily insight was something we did. Um, there's a couple tracks that we did for that, which, which is really fun. Um, but we mm-hmm. didn't make, you know, we didn't make a living do it, doing it we, and we're still not. Um, but, I think to Andrew and I both, it was, it was enough to put it out there and to see people relate to it and just connect with it in that way. And so, yeah, it's a different thing of, instead of going for a record deal, um, for us, it was more, we're at a place where we're doing this for the love of it and kind of letting the chips fall where they may. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's what I would probably coin as like, soul currency right like there's Mm -hmm. there's the currency that we have to have in the world i get it right to to have um Mm -hmm. to maintain our lifestyle to have a livelihood Mm -hmm. and then there's these things that that honestly like you couldn't put money to um Mm -hmm. because it's 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 a soul currency like it just feeds you and nourishes Mm -hmm. you and and your you know your ethos uh in a different way. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people who maybe because of the stillness during the pandemic did a lot of reflecting mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, who, who am I? What is the legacy I want to leave on the world? Um, and, and I'm glad that, you know, people like you, people like Andrew, um, you know, I'm glad the person who encouraged me to put my meditations on the insight timer, mm-hmm. Because you're right, some of those comments come in from people and you realize in a way that 
you may never meet this person in real life, but you've helped them. Mm -hmm. You've helped them kind of take, an, take another step, you know, make mm -hmm. another connection, maybe inspire them to put their own creativity out in the world. Um, and honestly, I think if we could do more of that, then there'd be a lot less conflict in the world, personally. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and so I just really appreciate you reminding us all to find that light and find another person who's got that light and meet in the middle and see what see yeah. what happens right like that there lies yeah. the magic yeah yeah exactly and i think what you said too like it's this it's a soul currency it's just it's kind of beyond i know that sounds can sound um what the right word is um you know i think any any time you talk about being beyond mm -hmm. money i think it has a different kind of connotation maybe to that but to me it really is it's it's like deeper than that you know um yeah so putting it out there and i don't know if you've had this experience but with your meditations if someone reaches out to you and says this is exactly what i needed to hear today yeah this really impacted me in this positive way um it's just kind of you cut everything else out there it's just so available that it's there for people and i think that's really cool and powerful yeah and it's it's like an imprint that we didn't necessarily know we had mm -hmm. right you've got a fingerprint i believe everybody's got a soul mm -hmm. print right and again to your point mm -hmm. sometimes when we talk about this it gets a little a little ethereal for people and i don't i don't mean to take mm -hmm. them there but but i do believe like everybody's kind of got that unique print um and and you know this platform in a way for me has been giving myself permission to do that, but more importantly, giving mm -hmm. permission to the people that are listening to go, to mm -hmm. go do that and understand that. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to just kind of get ready to close as, uh, and ask you about your, are you touring right now? Like how can people find you? How can they connect? Like <laughs> you're doing so much goodness in the world and certainly people are <laughs> listening on Spotify and Apple and insight timer and others, but I'm just curious from the standpoint of um, are there, are there other ways that people could be supporting connecting um, and, and helping you flourish. Sure. Yeah. We, um, are not touring right now. Um, but we are still, um, well, actually I'm still recording music. Um, Andrew has been really busy with his, his family life and, but I'm, I'm still continuing my solo stuff. So mapping them and the light meeting. Um, so that's the instrumental stuff. Um, and we do have a website, so that's thelightmeeting.com. You can reach out to us there, and there's a subscribe contact page, and that just goes directly to our email. And so if you want to reach out and say, hey, you can do that. Um, we don't have any pressed CDs, um, but people still reach out to me about buying CDs. And, of course, you know, I love that, you know, if you want to get a CD, um, so I, I just burn CDs for, for people and mm -hmm. write them a note. And so if you'd like to do that, that's the way to do that. Just reaching out to us on the website. Um, but yeah, just listening however you listen, you know, like we just said, um, yeah. Insight Timer, Spotify, really anywhere that you connect with is is good. Good for us. And I think good for you if you enjoy the music. Yeah. And I think beyond that... Um, just if you like it, you know, tell people, you know, if you want to yeah. post about it or tell your friends and just kind of spreading the word and sharing that 
um, is good. Yeah. And helpful. So, and yeah, just thanks for listening. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining and, um, and sharing your story and, and inspiring, continuing to inspire and heal. I I'm really glad I reached out. Uh, you know, it's interesting again, it's one of those things we don't know. You never know when there's going to be a yes. I think you talked about that, right. In in Mm -hmm. part of your story. And one of the beautiful things that I've learned is that it takes 20 seconds of courage to change the world. And Mm -hmm. it was in that 20 seconds of courage that I sat down this year and wrote down people who I'd love to connect with. And I'm glad that your, your name was on that list and the the music that you put on out into the world was on that list. And I really appreciate the opportunity to connect and echo what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You bet. Ditto. (laughs) Thanks.